Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by our guest speaker. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. This has been in kind of in the oven, this thing for today, for about two months now. And uh, Pastor Cordell and I have kind of talked about some of this stuff. And um, I don't know, we'll see how this goes. But, uh, you know, we... So there's this guy that loved golf, right? I guess this is a good way to start this. And, uh, but he was getting up there and his eyesight was failing and he wasn't able to see the golf ball when he hit it. And he was talking with a friend of his and talking about how he was going to have to give up golf. And he said, wait a minute, you remember old Ralph? Well, yeah. Well, Ralph's 91 and he's in a nursing home, but his eyesight is perfect. Put him in your golf cart and let him watch the ball for you. He thought, great idea. So they went all golfing. He got old Ralph next to him and drove out to the first tee, teed the ball up, hit it, went back to Ralph and said, did you see that ball? He said, yeah, sure did. He said, where'd it go? And he said, I forgot. (laughs) We have short memories. Um... There's some irony in today's, what I believe the Lord has given me, forgotten miracles. We forget a lot of things. Um, It's a day after, if you've got that picture that I gave you, if you can put that up there. That's, uh, That's what we looked at 20 years ago yesterday. I was thinking about this, you know, We say we'll never forget. I don't know if you remember our country the day after that. Churches filled up, right? Lots of people had, this gave a lot of people pause, right? Now it's 20 years later and there's a, I don't know how many people are alive now that were not alive then or were so young then they can't remember it, but I can remember where I was when I found out about this, can you? So now the real test for those of you who are really old like me, can you remember when President Kennedy was shot? I remember where I was then, I was a kid, 62, 1962. I wasn't 62 when he, let's get that. Um, I can remember where I was, I was riding with my dad in the car and we heard it on the radio and it was in November and my, only worry is like a 12-year-old was, are we still going to get to go deer hunting? <laughs> but I remember it. And, and I think it's good that we remember things like this. I enjoy watching the History Channel and some of those others where the World War II stuff is replayed. They don't call it the greatest generation for nothing. Those people, those men <clears throat> and women that we're in that conflict that we call World War II were unbelievable. The courage, man, if we had a war like that today, I, I, I think this nation would wilt. It just, um, the number of people that were sacrificed in that, in that event. So it's good that we remember. Here's another one that's good to remember. Tomorrow's my wife's birthday. And 
That's a good one to remember. <clears throat> so if I forget tomorrow, I'll remember, I remembered it today. <laughs> so, and you know, here we are, the body of Christ, right? And neat things happen in the body of Christ. Miracles happen in the body of Christ. And <clears throat> over time, those memories get a little dull. Maybe we forget. And we, we tend to be circumstantial kind of people, meaning that whatever we're looking at, whatever we hear, this is life right now, right? Well, as people that are living for God, we should be beyond that. We should be better than that. We should remember. But we're not the only ones that forget. We're going to go back and read a lot of scripture today about people that just didn't remember. And we're going to talk about, you've heard of the Red Sea. Anybody remember that? <laughs> yeah. Um, Jesus fed 5,000 people in Matthew 15, I think it is, or 14. Did you know that in the next chapter, in Matthew 15, he fed 4,000? You remember that? And then, <clears throat> you know, in the 15th, or the 14th chapter of Matthew, rather, is when the apostles were out on the water and sea was angry, my friends. <clears throat> and Jesus came walking out to them. And Peter stepped out of the boat, right? So... <clears throat> Let's go to Exodus, the 13th chapter. We're going to read a lot here because I think it's good that we hear these stories again. I think it's good that we, we hear them so we don't forget them. So Exodus 13 and 17 says, And it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go that God led them not through the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest peradventure the people repent when they see war and return to Egypt. But God let the people about through the way of the wilderness, the Red Sea, and the children of Israel went up harnessed out of the land of Egypt. And Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for he had straightly sworn the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and ye shall carry up my bones away hence with you. And they took their journey from Succoth, and it camped in Etham in the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of a cloud to lead them the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light and to go by day and night. Let's just stop here for a second. <clears throat> they had it easy. So, you know, the Bible talks about the steps of a good man or order the Lord he doesn't we don't have clouds and pillars of fire anymore we I guess it's in the this dispensation of grace where we have a lot of choices we can make and we can go just about any way we want to go but these guys had it easy there was no question about where God wanted them to go Keep that in mind. It was simple. We had a men's breakfast. My brother, Dennis Matucci, right there, told us how witnessing is a simple thing. I remembered. <laughs> so, okay. 
And <clears throat> he took not away the pillar of, of the cloud by day, nor the pillar of fire by night from, night from before them, from before the people. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, that they turn and encamp before, if you can pronounce that one, Phiahiaroth, between Migdol and the sea, over against, why could, is a lot easier than these, right? <laughs> over Belzephon, before it shall ye encamp by the sea. For Pharaoh will say, the children of Israel, they are entangled in the land. The wilderness has shut them in. See, God's thinking like Pharaoh's thinking, right? He has a purpose in this route. And he's, Pharaoh thinks he's pretty smart while he's dealing with God here. And then it says, and I will harden Pharaoh's heart that he shall follow after them. And I will be honored upon Pharaoh and upon all his hosts that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord. And they did so. They did so means the Israelites went the way God told them to go. And it was told the king of Egypt that the people fled. And the heart of Pharaoh and of his servants was turned against the people and said, Why have we done this, that we have let them go from serving us? And he made ready his chariot and took his people with him. And he took 600 chosen chariots and all the chariots of Egypt and captains over every one of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued after the children of Israel. And the children of Israel went out with an high hand. But the Egyptians pursued after them, all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh and his horsemen and his army, and overtook them encamping by the sea beside Phihiroth before Balzaphon. And when Pharaoh drew near, or drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them, and they were sore afraid, and the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord. And they said unto Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? Wherefore hast thou dealt with us, dealt thus with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? Is not this the word that we did tell you in Egypt, saying, Let us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians? For it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than we should die in the wilderness. How'd you like to have been their leader? <clears throat> Think about it. How'd you like to have been their pastor? You got it pretty easy, I think. Well, okay. <clears throat> Thank you, Lord, for not calling me to be a pastor. <clears throat> so here they are. Now they're stuck. And the question we have to ask ourselves at times is, what do we see? What do we hear? What are we looking at? What are we listening to? So Moses, this took a lot of courage for Moses to say this, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. In other words, do nothing. Don't fight, don't run, just stand here and let's see what happens. That took a lot of courage. That took some, let's see, 
faith, right? Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show to you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you shall see them again no more forever. The Lord shall fight for you, and ye shall hold your peace. So, the last time I spoke, I talked about trust and faith. Remember, you know, the... One of the things that we have to figure out as Christians is when we do something and when we stand still to see the salvation of the Lord, when, how do you make those choices? Well, <clears throat> one of the things is if God gives you a shovel, don't lean on it and pray for a hole, right? <clears throat> so in this case, though, it stands still because the Lord's going to fight for you. Now, this wasn't God speaking to Israel. This was God speaking through Moses to Israel. So, consider the source, I guess. Do you believe him or don't you believe him? Well, they're going to find out pretty soon. And the Lord said unto Moses in verse 15, Wherefore criest thou? (laughs) This is funny. God's kind of chewing Moses out here. Why are you crying unto me? Speak unto the children of Israel that they go forward. Well, they're at the Red Sea. And he's saying, quit your whining. Just tell them we're going forward. Benjamin Franklin, I think, is the one that said during the Revolutionary War, trust in God, but keep your powder dry. You know, be ready to fight. Well, not this time. We're just going to go forward. So lift up thy rod, verse 16, and stretch out thy hand over the sea and divide it. <clears throat> and the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. And behold, I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians and shall fo- they shall follow them. And I will get me honor upon Pharaoh and upon all his hosts, upon his chariots and upon his horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gotten me honor upon Pharaoh and upon his chariots and upon his horsemen. And and the angel of God, which went before the camp of Israel, removed and went behind them. And the pillar of the cloud went from before their face and stood behind them. And it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel, and it was a cloud and a darkness to them. But it gave light by night to these, so that... One came not near the other all night. Huh. God goes from leading to catching catching the back end. He goes from the cloud leading them to the cloud sitting in between them, fogged them out or whatever he did, so that even though they were close to one another, there was no interaction between them. So they came not near the other all night. Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all night and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. And the children of Israel went into the midst to sea upon dry ground, and the waters were a wall unto them on their right hand and on their left. Now, I wonder if this would make the news tomorrow morning, if this happened somewhere. I mean, think about this. So a wind blew all night. 
to where it dried out the ground on the bottom of the lake or sea or whatever it is here, where they're going across on dry ground. And how did the, how did the walls stay up? If wind put them there, what held them there? Doesn't say here, it just says they walked through on dry ground. Maybe it was a tailwind, I don't know. All we know is that the water didn't move. It made walls. And it came to pass in the morning, much the Lord looked unto the host of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and of the cloud and troubled the host of the Egyptians. <laughs> Took off their chariot wheels that they drave them heavily, so that the Egyptians said, Let us flee from the face of Israel, for the Lord fighteth for them against the Egyptians. You know what? When God says, Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, you're not the only one that's going to see it. <laughs> the Egyptians caught on too. And so... And the Lord said unto Moses, Stretch out thine hand over the sea, that the waters may come in again upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots, and upon their horsemen. Notice, they didn't miss anything. Every time it talked about the Egyptians, it was their chariots and their horsemen. So here we go. Now the sea is going to collapse. And Moses stretched his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to his strength when the morning appeared, the Egyptians fled against it, and the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. And the waters returned and covered the chariots and horsemen and all the host of Pharaoh that came into the sea after him. There remained not so much as one of them. But the children of Israel walked upon dry land in the midst of the sea, and the waters were a wall unto them under their right hand and on their left. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hands of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead upon the seashore. Hmm. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. There's going to be evidence of his salvation. There's going to be evidence here, folks. Now, I'm, I'm getting out there a little bit, but we've watched over the last couple of years covid we're not as many as we used to be, but you hear this, we're going to see the salvation of the Lord. You know why? Because the Lord's fighting for us. And when he fights, we see the evidence. <clears throat> so hang on. Don't go anywhere. Stick around to see it. Amen. That's my advice. It's going to happen. You know why? Because this isn't about him or him or you or me. This is kingdom work. So Israel that day saw the, that great work which the Lord did upon the Egyptians and the people feared the Lord and believed God, believed the Lord and his servant Moses. So Moses gained great credibility as their leader and he deserved it because he's the one. 
He's the one that said, stand still, right? But didn't take long, and Israel was complaining. You go to Exodus 15 and 22. It says, so Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness of Shur, and they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. They're three days into the journey. Three days. When they came to Marah, they could not drink of the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore the name of it was called Marah. And the people murmured against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? So they had just walked through the Red Sea on dry ground with walls of water on each side. And they're three days into a journey and they can't find water and all of a sudden they've got this crisis that what are we going to do? They forgot the miracle. They forgot that the Lord was fighting for them. Shame on them. Now, I'm not all that spiritual. I don't pray about what I'm going to have for breakfast. It's usually a blueberry muffin and coffee. You know, but if I were one of them and I had to walk through that sea, through that, I think I'd have remembered. I honestly do. I would hope that I was not one of them that came up to Moses and said, what did you do bringing us out of Egypt to die here now with no water? I hope I would have been one of them. Did you know that in Joshua 2, This thing, this event in the Red Sea was such a big deal that remember when in Joshua, so Joshua now, Moses is gone, they've crossed over into Canaan and they're getting ready to take um, Jericho. Thanks, see, I forgot. So... In Joshua 2 and 1, it says, And Joshua, the son of Nun, sent out of Shittim two men to spy secretly, saying, Go view the land, even Jericho. And they went, and it came into an harlot's house named Rahab, and lodged there. It was told the king of Jericho, so, saying, Behold, there came men in hither tonight of the children of Israel to search out the country. And the king of Jericho sent unto Rahab, saying, Bring forth the men that are come to thee, which are entered into thy house, for they come to search out all the country. And the woman took the two men and hid them and said thus, There came men unto me, but I, but I don't know where they are. And it came to pass about the time of the shutting of the gate when it was dark that the men went out. Whither the men went, I don't know. Pursue after them quickly and you'll overtake them. This is Rahab, you know, talking. But she had brought them up to the roof of the house and hid them with the stalks of flax, which she laid in order upon the roof. And the men pursued after them the way to Jordan under the fords. And as soon as they which pursued after them were gone out, they shut the gate. And before they were laid down, she came up upon the roof and she said unto the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land and that your terror has fallen upon us. And all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. Here's why. Here's why. Because we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you. When you came out of Egypt and what you did under the two kings of the Amorites 
that were on the other side of Jordan, Shinon, and Og, whom ye utterly destroyed. Three days into it, the Israelites forgot about what God did for them, but the rest of the world didn't. When God does it, the world will know it. This flesh, we are so driven by the now, what we see right now, what we hear right now, and we forget that we don't see ahead, but God does. He knows the way. And so when we don't know what to do, you know what we do? We just keep following him. We just keep doing the right things. We just keep serving him. We just keep telling our stories, right? So the Israelites weren't the only ones that had short memories. In, how late can I go? Two, three o'clock, something like that? Okay. Um, Matthew fourteen thirteen. So this is where Jesus feeds the 5,000. They departed, when Jesus heard of it, they departed by ship into a desert place apart and then the people have heard thereof. They followed him out to the cities. Jesus was already well known. People had heard about what he had done and some of the miracles and they were following him around. And they went into the desert place. Did you know the desert is where God spoke to his people most often? Hmm, that one will preach. That dog will hunt or whatever you want to... <clears throat> When you're in a dry place, that's the time to listen, right? So they're out in this desert place. And I want to jump to the 15th verse. And when it was evening, the disciples came to him saying, this is a desert place and the time is now past. Send the multitude away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves victuals, food. But Jesus said unto them, they need not depart You give them to eat. I like this. (laughs) Giving them an impossible task, right? This is Jesus. And they said unto him, we've only got five loaves and and two fish. And he said, bring them to me. And he commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass. It must have been springtime. And he took the five loaves and the two fishes. Looking up to heaven, he blessed and brake gave the loaves to his disciples and the disciples to the multitude. And they all did eat and were filled and they took up fragments that remained 12 baskets full. Now jump to Matthew 15. Matthew 15 and 32 says, Then Jesus called the disciples unto him and said, I have compassion on the multitude because they continue with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And I will, not them send, I will not send them away fasting lest they faint in the way. What's different here? In Matthew 14, the disciples came to Jesus and Jesus told them what to do. Now, same kind of a setup. 
Now Jesus goes to them and says, what are you going to do? So, <clears throat> he said unto them, and the disciples said unto him, when should we have so much bread in the wilderness as to fill so great a multitude? Wait a minute. What were you looking at? What did you hear a chapter back when there was 5,000, and that's only men, that doesn't count women and children, it could have been 25,000 people. We don't really know. So here's even a smaller group, but Jesus tests them to see if they remembered. But they didn't because they said, we don't know what we're gonna do, send them away. Let them go into the villages so they can, they can get something to eat. We only have a little bread. And how can we feed so great a multitude with this little bit of bread? <laughs> Where were you? What were you listening to? So in Matthew fifteen thirty-five, it says, And he commanded the multitude to sit down, and he took the seven loaves and fishes, gave thanks and break them, gave to his disciples, the disciples to the multitude, and they all did eat and were filled, and they took up, the, took up of the broken meat that was left, seven baskets full. Last time it was 12. This time it's seven. And they did eat, and they that did eat were 4,000 men between, beside women and children. So the, the difference between these two miracles is that the first group was 5,000 men, and Jesus came to see the, to, to the needs of the people. And in the feeding of the 4,000, Jesus brought the needs of the people to the disciples to test their faith. In the book of John, the account of the 5,000 is a little different. John 6 and 5 says, When Jesus lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him, he saith unto Philip, Whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? And this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered them, Two hundred penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that everyone may take a little. One of the disciples, Andrew, Simon's Peter, Simon Peter's brother, says unto him, there's a lad here which has five barley loaves and two small fishes, but what are they among so many? And Jesus said, make the men sit down. No, there's much grass in the place. So the men sat down in number about 5,000. So he, he gave them a little quiz with the 5,000 and then he gave them the final exam with the 4,000. And you know what? They forgot. They just forgot. So, <clears throat> one more thing here. In the middle of the 14th chapter of Matthew, just after the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus goes up to pray and he sends the disciples across the sea in a boat to go to the other side. We all know this story, but let's read it so we don't forget. 
Matthew 14 and 22, and Jesus straightway constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side. Well, he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It's a spirit. And they cried out in fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. In the Old Testament, I think it's kind of interesting that Jesus said, It is I. Because in the Old Testament, when they asked him what his name is, he said, I am what I am. Right? Same. There's continuity here. It's the same God. So, be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. Here's Peter. This guy talks too much, you know what? <clears throat> Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it's you, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. Now the, the, sea, the wind was contrary, the sea was rough, and that's what Peter is trying to walk on, right? It's trying to walk, like trying to walk on hills of water. And what happened? He was looking at Jesus, and when he looked down and he saw the, the waves, reality settled in, at least his reality, and he became afraid. You know what? Fear is a faith killer. But you know what? Faith is a fear killer. Well, he was afraid and he began to sink. Immediately, Jesus, well, then he said, Lord, save me. I think Jesus might have saved him even if he wouldn't have said that. But So, and immediately, Jesus stretched forth his hand. He must have been close to Jesus. He must have been almost there. Because it says, Jesus, it doesn't say Jesus came running to him and stretched forth his hand. It just says he just stretched out his hand. When you're almost, don't quit when you're almost there. He was almost there. Almost. I don't even know if that counts in horseshoes. Almost isn't good enough. We got to finish. But regardless, Jesus stretched out his hand and he caught him. And he said, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were coming to the ship, the wind ceased. So, then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying of a truth, thou art the Son of God. Well, Peter walked on the water for a while till what he saw destroyed his faith. 
What are you looking at? What are you listening to? So, folks, we need to remember what God has done for us. Our faith needs to be stronger than circumstances. Our faith, Peter had, you know what? Nobody else in the boat got out, right? Peter was the one that gave it a shot. At least he tried. And um, even Jesus said, you have little faith. He didn't say you have no faith because he saw some faith, right? He saw him get out of the boat. All Peter needed to do was just take another step or two and he would have been of great faith, not little faith. So you have to wonder what the Israelites were thinking when they complained about no water in the desert considering what they had seen. What were they thinking? Psalms 106 and 7 says, Our ancestors in Egypt were not impressed. This is the New Living Testament. Were not impressed by the Lord's miraculous deeds. They soon forgot his many acts of kindness to them. Instead, they rebelled him. They rebelled against him at the Red Sea. So, <clears throat> again, after feeding 5,000, what were the disciples thinking when the 4,000 needed food? They'd already seen the 5,000 fed. Why did they have such weak faith? Faith. We've just got short memories. We forget miracles and we get stuck in the moment. And we lose sight of the bigger picture, the satellite view of this is God's kingdom, this is God's work. Whatever we do, it's not going to return void. That's a promise, right? So, and you know what? God's picked sides here. Do you know what Psalms 118 and 6 says? The Lord's on my side. I will not fear what can men do unto me. He's picked sides. He's on our side. Do you know why we take communion? Psalms 118, uh, Luke 22, 19. And he took took bread and gave thanks and break it and gave it unto them saying, this is my body which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. Don't forget. He's saying, don't forget the cross. That's what we do when we take communion. We're not getting our sins remitted. We're getting our minds set to where we remember why we have the grace that we have. So, just don't lose sight, folks, that what we do here is kingdom work. This is bigger than the situations. This is bigger than what we might see. And just remember, as long as we're doing what we should do, the Lord's going to fight for us. He's on our side. And Galatians 6 and 9 just says this, and let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. In due season. You know what due season is? It's God's season. It's when he's ready. When his time is right, that's when we'll see what he's got for us. That's why 
Never forget who you are in the name that you bear. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.